Father, this 30th day of the seventh month, we come to you in faith. Your word promises us that if we come to you, you will sanctify us wholly, completely, our spirit, our soul, and our body. And we need that today, Lord. I pray there will be clarity in the spirit that everyone who hears will hear what your spirit has to say. There will be clarity in this soul, Lord, that we understand and we receive and we obey. And I pray there will be a cleansing in the body of every toxin, Lord. Our body belongs to you. There's no room for sickness in the body unless it works out some purpose in the kingdom. So I pray, Father, that you touch everyone in the body of Christ, the church, in our homes, in our families, heal our bodies, touch our minds that there is peace, there's clarity, there is rest in our spirit. We hear what your spirit has to say, Lord. To that end, we commit ourselves and this time speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We continue today, July the third, uh, 30th, and uh, uh, the new guidelines for the next one month has come from the central government, and for religious gatherings, it remains the same. So, Till July, August 31st, we will continue the way we are. And uh, hopefully, we pray the epidemic will pass away in the next 30 days. There will be a radical shift. And by September, we will pray. We will, we, we need to, we need to really stand up and be counted in this prayer because the pandemic is creating havoc and only God can move it. And so this morning, even as we come back and we look to the word, Please remember, there is only one way we can hear from God if our spirit, our soul, and our body are aligned. One straight line. The kingdom of God, the absolute supremacy of the kingdom of God in our lives, the supremacy of the will of God in our lives, the supremacy of the scriptures in our life, because that is revealed, written, uh, the, in the kingdom, the word of the king is the law and we have been all been given and we who have a copy of the Bible and who has been given the blessing of able to read and understand we have a copy of the written, revealed will of God. So, and above all, those who have the word of God and those who have been born again by the spirit of God, we also have the spirit who explains the word of God. So please remember, if unless we put it all in line, and as uh, Paul will tell the church in Rome, we surrender our bodies to the will of God in the manner that is acceptable to him and allow our minds to be renewed, everything will start falling into place. So we've been, we saw on Sunday the, the importance of hearing. When we, when we, Look into the word of God from Genesis 1 onwards. If you come to the book of Genesis, we know the book of Genesis was written by Moses. 
that was during the dispensation of the law that is that is uh, two dispensations primarily later we have the dispensation of the conscience of man then we have the time of the patriarchs then we have the law coming then we have the prophets and then we have jesus coming then we have the new covenant beginning so please be very careful that we do not judge abraham and sarah by the law they are living in a different dispensation all together so we have to read each dispensation with the revelation available okay that's all that's why god says the seasons of ignorance i overlook okay you cannot judge somebody by i'm not saying the consequences doesn't follow that's a different thing okay but you don't i mean let us say a child jumped and fell and hurt itself you don't beat the child because the child did not know the rules of gravity okay he didn't understand but if a man does the same thing and hurts it what kind of a fool of you are having you learned having you learned if you jump from there this is what will happen to you okay okay so there's a difference between the consequences may be the same but the judgment is not the same okay so please understand when we are reading but what is common from the first dispensation from adam onwards to the final dispensation in which we are living in every dispensation if you look adam conscience patriarchs law prophets jesus son of man actually coming son of god coming in the flesh the apostles the new covenant scriptures being written what is one thing common about every dispensation was that in everything every dispensation they had to hear the voice of god that's the only thing common only thing common if you look at any man in any dispensation who came out or who functioned according to the way god wanted him in his generation it was the voice of god they heard the voice of god it was the hearing of the voice of god that changed their life okay flo now i want to make two clear distinctions here very clear distinctions for the four uh, candidates i have sitting in front of me i know it's very very familiar but we have so many children in the lord literally children in the lord who are listening who have come to the lord and who have not understood fundamental concepts about this which will change their lives our lives i want to look at two verses one is romans 10:17 and the other is jude let's go to jude 1 3 and then romans 10 17 okay first we look at jude 1 3 okay beloved while i was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation i found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend fight earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to these saints fight for this faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints jude 13 now we go to romans 10:17 scripture says so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god if you look at jude and if you look at paul and the holy spirit through both of them using one common word which is faith but they're completely two different meanings they're not the same faith either one of them is talking about when jude is talking about faith he's talking in terms of precepts and rules of what we believe christianity as a set of precepts he's talking about that that doesn't change that doesn't change that will never change it is fixed 
So that precept is the same in the old covenant and the new covenant. It doesn't change. So he's saying, once and for all that has been handed from generation to generation, we have to contend for that. We have to fight for this. What is it? It is truth. That precepts are truth. It will never change. It will not change with time. It will not even change in eternity. So it was once and for all. So when we are talking about faith, you, we need to understand faith also has that meaning of religion. What is your faith? And Peter will say, I'm a Christian. Somebody will say, I am of the Buddhist faith. So when faith is used in that way, it is talking about a set of precepts of what you believe in. What you believe in. So when a lot of people say, I am a Christian, they mean I am of this faith, of this religion. But if you closely question them, they don't know the precepts of their own religion. Precepts of their own religion. They don't know what are the fundamentals of their religion, they do not know. So when Jude is using that term faith, it is talking about in terms of religion, the fundamentals of the Christian faith. But when Paul is talking in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, he's talking about the hearing of God's voice. Faith comes from hearing. This faith is a different thing. This is you have the precepts, you are learning the precepts, you are understanding the precepts through the word of God that is being preached. You are understanding the fundamentals on which the Christian faith, or if you want to use the term religion, is established. Because, you know, uh, we say uh, we don't follow a religion, we have a relationship. But relationships also are based on rules. You cannot have a relationship, we say, kuch bhi chalega. When we have a wedding ceremony, and there is a few rules which are said in the beginning. And they agree to that. That They agree to that. And one of the fundamental reasons marriage fail is that simple rule that is said, both of them made a covenant, they don't follow it. Forsaking all others. They don't do that. They don't do that. That's a, that's, if you look at it, there is a covenant that is made in the marriage ceremony, which both people make a covenant with God before man and God and before witnesses. And that covenant itself they don't keep. They don't keep. But we are sending them out based on something. It's not that, okay, we agree you're man and wife, go and do whatever you want. No, you made a covenant. Okay, so even when you want to look at Christianity as a relationship with God, every relationship is based on a set of commonly agreed on rules. Otherwise, you cannot have a relationship. It's not a relationship. It's not a relationship. So when you are talking about here, about faith come from hearing, that hearing is connected with the voice of God. It is the hearing <coughs> that brings Clarity in a situation. That brings a clarity in a situation. And that is important. Sometimes, no? And remember this hearing is primarily personal in your life. It can be personal, it can be corporate also. We'll look at it later. But primarily it is personal. Because faith has to be personal. This faith has to be personal. The other one is more like corporate. We are a community. We agree to abide by a set of rules. 
about Sadaba rules. But this is more personal. And when it is personal, in any given situation, it brings clarity. So you have religion as faith, and you have faith as hearing. And you will see it is faith as hearing that will change everything. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, where the record of people who heard, Okay, this is a record of people who heard and they, they changed destiny. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. Now, you have to realize here, these are two sons of the first man on earth. Two sons. Both are bringing offerings. So there is offerings, there is sacrifice, and it is being offered to somebody. So that's religion. At the religion level, they both are the same. What made one sacrifice different and acceptable from the other is one heard, the other didn't. Religion level, they are both the same. Because in every religion, there is an offering, there is a sacrifice, and there is a one to whom it is being offered, and there is one who is offering. So at that level, religion level, Cain and Abel are equal. What made them different? One heard. That's why scripture says, by faith Abel offered. It is not talking about by the religion of faith. It is talking about the hearing. Abel heard. How he heard, we do not know. But he heard. And he went by what he heard. And when he heard, two people are offering the same sacrifice. One sacrifice becomes excellent. Not only that, his sacrifice makes him being declared righteous, justified to his gifts. Okay? That changed everything. So please, we need to realize, Abel and Cain are the same at the religious faith level. It is the hearing that changed them. Hearing that changed them. Okay? Now if you go to the next two verses, again you will see it is the same thing. Verse 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found. Because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek. Though we see six in isolation and it can stand in isolation. If you look at it context-wise, six is connected with Enoch. And then put it across to everybody who wants to be caught in rapture. Okay? Five and six. It is put across over there. Again, you need to realize, from the time of Abel onwards, many people, hundreds and thousands of generations, because this is, we are coming, when you come to verse five and six, you are jumped to the seventh generation from Adam. Many people must have tried pleasing God. Okay? In their own understanding of precepts of God. Scripture says during the time of Seth, people called upon the name of God. But it doesn't say they pleased God. By faith. It does not say. Okay? If you look, Genesis 4 and Genesis 5 is full of records. 4 is full of records of the achievements of man. Okay? Achievements of man. If you look at 4.17, you have the Enoch, the son of Cain, being contrasted with Enoch, who is from the line of Seth. Okay? So, 
Enoch Cain knew his wife. She conceived and bore Enoch. It's another. He built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. So Enoch has a. There is one Enoch. What you call? Uh, who has a city named after him? And you have another Enoch who walked with God. But the city will go. But the one who walked with God will still remain. Okay, will remain. And if you look at the progeny, if you come to. Uh, 4, verse 20 and 22. 20 to 22. Okay. Adabor, um, he was uh, Jabal. He was the father of those who dwelt in tents and have livestock. Okay. So you have Jabal over there. So you have a set of people who were cattlemen. Cattlemen. Who started moving from place to place in camp. And if you look at that, you will see Abraham was a cattleman. He lived in tents. So who was the first one, one to be a cattleman who lived in tents? It was Cain's son, Jabal. Okay? But he's not a man of faith. Okay? Then he has a brother who is called Jabal. He was the one who all played the harp and the flute. So the musicians, like Peter's godfather is Jabal. Jabal. Okay, Jubal. Okay. If you look at the, who's the first musician? It is Jubal. And then if you come to verse 22, Zilha also bore to Balkan with instruction of every craftsman in bronze and iron. Okay. So if you talk about who is the godfather of Pastor Vijay, it is Jubalkan. Because software, robotics, this is the guy who started it all, engineering. Okay, so if you look at any form over there, okay, so if you're talking about music, who is that? Fine arts, humanities department started by Jubal. Cattlemen, this thing started by Jabal. And then you're going to engineering, okay? You're starting with, uh, what is his name? Tubalkin, okay? Tubalkin, okay? So you have all this there, but the difference is, if you come to five words four, about one man, it is written, he walked with God. Uh, sorry, 524. He walked with God. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God, took him. Okay. Now we know later, scripture reveals in Amos 3.3, 3, that the only way two can walk together if they agree. So there is a conversation and two people agree. They agree to a set of rules and they walk together. So ultimately when you come from Abel and jump to Cain, sorry, come jump to Enoch, you will realize all your industry, all your discoveries makes no difference in eternal history except the fact one person heard. One person heard. So what made a difference from Abel, the first man who heard after man was cast out for seven generations, what made a difference was one man heard. They, they all had precepts. Religion is not dead. Religion is there. Wickedness is increasing. Wickedness is increasing. But religion is there. There is a set of precepts by which society is still functioning. But the only problem is nobody is hearing. And it is the hearing that changed everything. So if you come to verse 6, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9, you will see something over there. Okay? Uh, chapter 6. Uh, 
yeah, chapter 6, not uh, 5. Chapter 6 and verse 9, you will see. This is a no- genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. So there is something over here which says Noah is a just man. Meaning, he, whatever he understood about the precepts of God, he kept it. But that's not going to change his destiny. His destiny is going to be changed when to that faith which is called religion, faith that comes from hearing is added. That would change his destiny. So first, he is recognized as a man with faith. That's what Paul means by saying, I kept the faith. First, Noah is recognized as a person who has kept the precepts of whatever he has received. And by that, he's walking with God. Okay, by that. But he hasn't heard yet. He hasn't heard yet. He hasn't heard yet. And he's going to hear. And in verse 13, he will hear. And that would change his destiny. Oh, <laughs> you are going to chapter 13, 613. Okay? And God said to Noah. And from there things will change. Now, question is, you heard. You have a set of beliefs by which you have lived. Now you have heard personally. And God is telling you something in your particular context. If you obey, your life will change. And you will change your destiny. Others, if they look to you and obey you, their destiny will also change. But if they don't, your destiny will definitely change. Okay, so this hearing the voice of God is fundamental. And once the law is given, law is given, meaning the written law, Israel is coming out. And you need to realize Abraham heard, Isaac heard, Jacob heard, Moses heard. After that in Exodus, the first person to hear is Moses. Moses heard. And then the man who is heard is leading a set of people. And we see the difference between a man who heard and the man who is a leader, Aaron, who did not hear. The, the problem with all those things, okay? The written scripture and the revealed scripture. You see the difference between these two. And then when they are going, God will always make this conscious difference between these two. Otherwise, what will we do? We will go by uh, written scripture alone. The problem with written scripture is that I can interpret it in so many different ways and end up in a ditch. So if you look at when Israel is in the desert and the water is uh, bitter and all, and he makes this promise about them not falling ill. If you look at 15.26, Genesis 15.26, yeah, uh, sorry, not Genesis, Exodus 15.26, we'll see something over there. Okay, Exodus 15.26, and he said, if you diligently hear the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. So you will see there's a clear distinctions being made between these two. What is that? The voice of the Lord and the written statutes and the commandments. Yeah? It's a because you see, the statutes and the commandments have to be interpreted by the voice personally. Otherwise, you will feel very good. You feel very good. And this is consistent with God. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, when he makes this incredible promise, I didn't pick you because you are smart or big. I picked 19, 5. I picked you because you are the smallest and you are going to be a kingdom of priests. And this this is what he says. Therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Two things I mentioned. A covenant is based on a set of rules. But you have to obey my voice and keep my covenant. Okay, hear my voice 
and keep. So you can keep his covenant without hearing his voice. You will be considered a righteous man, but you will never fulfill your with destiny. You never fulfill your destiny. Okay? In Deuteronomy 28.1, we saw that. 28.1. Again, he will tell them. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commands. And if you see in verse 15, 15, Okay, where the, the, the trans, the, the, the shift changes from blessing to curses. But it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Okay, you have to understand the shift is there. So, we have to have a clear balance between these two. Two faiths. One faith comes from his commands and his statutes, which is called the doctrine of the apostles. The other comes from the hearing of the voice of God. You can reject the voice you hear. Like Cain rejected the voice he heard. God said, you are wrong. But if you do right, you will also be accepted. God spoke to him. God spoke to him. But he rejected the voice of God. Rejected the voice. You can reject the voice of God. Okay? Okay. If you look at Abraham and Lot, Lot never sought to hear the voice of God. But he's considered righteous. Meaning he kept the precepts without hearing. Therefore, he will never fulfill his destiny. So he saw his destiny absolutely in material terms. This is, I will go make myself. He went into Sodom, became elder, became rich, had property, everything. But because he was a righteous man, without hearing the voice of God, he's still righteous in the book of Peter, and yet he loses everything. He did not fulfill his destiny. His destiny is gone. And that's what the Bible is warning us about. It always warns. Okay? So, and if you look at the difference, if you look at, the, actually, if you look at the, if you look at the analysis of these people in the book of Genesis, you will see that those people who never heard the voice of God also never had an altar in their life. They had an altar. The altar was the place where they heard. The, was the place where they heard. Okay? So, be very, very careful about it. Okay? Okay, or also you could have an altar and a sacrifice, and not here, and not here. It's also possible. Okay, and that hearing is what is so important. The thing is that God's desire is that we hear His voice. Desire is we hear His voice, and everybody hear His voice. That's God's desire. Everybody hear His voice, but we people choose not. To want to hear. If you look at Exodus chapter 20, if I'm right, verse 18. Exodus 20. Yeah. Got it? 18, yeah. 18 to 21. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking, and when the people saw it, they trembled and stood Afar off. Okay, God is speaking. And this is the background setting. Okay, but God is speaking, giving the Ten Commandments. All the people saw this. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us, we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. 
And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood far off, but Moses drew. So you will see, the people did not want God to directly speak to them. But God wants to speak directly to every one of them. God wants to speak. I mean, a lot of people don't want to hear directly from God. You see, the thing is that, you know, the reason is that, you see, when you directly hear from God, you also become personally accountable to what you have heard. When you have heard through your pastor, you can always blame it on your pastor. Okay. Or you can say, oh, maybe I got it wrong, or he got it wrong, I heard it wrong. But when you hear it from God, you cannot say, I heard it wrong. <laughs> That's why God says, God, there's no shadow of turning with him. Okay, you cannot. So if you again come to Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 23, you know, Jeremiah seven twenty-three. we saw that on Sunday, right? God will tell, this is what I command them, saying, obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. Walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Okay? Obey my voice, and do what I have commanded you. See, the problem is, that is the problem with people like Saul. Saul will say, I obeyed the Lord. But they didn't obey his voice. His voice was very clear, kill everything. Kill everything. Okay, they say I obeyed. But God said, you didn't listen carefully to what I said. You didn't listen to carefully to what I said. I said, don't keep anything alive. And he says, I have obeyed. I have obeyed. Okay. And he says, walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. You see over there, when we do not listen to the voice of a problem, is when we don't listen to the voice, we start listening to the other voices in our mind. Which will manipulate the truth of God. That's why we saw on Sunday that we need an attitude of the heart, the listening ear. Incline and listen. Because if you do not, if you do not, we will become stubborn like Saul. No, I obey. I obey. I obey. Like Cain. Like Cain. God is very gentle with Cain. But he becomes stubborn. Look at the next verse, 24. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear and followed the counsels and the dictates of their evil heart. And they went backward. And not forward. But when they go backward, they don't say it has backward. They say it has forward. That's what happens in the West. They call themselves progressive. But actually they're going backward. There's nothing progressive about anything they say because everything they say and do and sanction is already there in Greek thought. So they have gone back. The Western world is not framed by anymore with Judeo-Christian philosophy. It is framed by the ancient Greek form. And in Greek, everything was there. Homosexuality was there, transgenders were there, everything was acceptable. There was no problem. They just intellectually debated truth, like Socrates, Aristotle, and uh, Plato and all. <laughs> and that's what is controlling Western thought. So they did not go forward, they went backward. They went backward. 
So Islam will say we have gone forward. No, you did not go forward. You went backward. Law came and after that grace came. Now for you, you went back to the law. So you did not go forward. You went backward. But they will say he's a final prophet, meaning they have gone forward. But they haven't gone forward. They went backward. So when you do not listen to the voice of God, you don't listen to the voice of God. Okay, when you did not look at, I mean, it's it's a very simple, it's 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 a simple logical contradiction if you even actually talk to a very good Muslims, not the radical ones who want to cut your head off, the others. You tell them, who is Jesus in your in your, in your book? Who is Jesus? Ruallah, meaning the voice of God, the breath of God. And where did Muhammad get his revelation? No, from Gabriel. God has finally spoken through His Son. Is he going to contradict what he spoke through his son, through an angel? I mean, after God has spoken himself through his own voice, he's the breath of God. Does he need to speak anything more? That's the final. How can somebody else come and say, an angel revealed it to me? No. It doesn't work that way. Simple logic you have to think about. In your own, this thing, who is Isa? Who is Isa? No, and the problem with the Christian Church in the world is they no longer believe in the infallibility of the written word of God. They've taken it away. They've taken it away. So it says, what happens if you do not obey or incline? They walk backward and not forward. So, if you look in Israel's case. Because people did not want to personally hear the voice of God. God kept on sending prophets. And who were the prophets? Prophets in the Bible were always who heard the voice of God and were contenting for that faith that was given to Israel. And people did not like that voice, so they cut the heads of the prophets off. Okay, look at Jeremiah 7 and verse 25 now. Next verse. We'll keep going further down. Like Since the day your fathers came out of the land of Egypt, until this day, I have even sent you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. You don't want to hear the voice of God. So I, every generation I had somebody who would hear my voice. And they woke up early and they came to you. I don't know who woke up early here. It was God or the prophet. <laughs> but we know God of Israel does not sleep, not slumber. Yet they did not obey me or incline their ear, but they stiffened their neck. This is what happens. When we do not listen to the voice of God, we don't lose the religion. We become stubborn in our religion. Stubborn in our religion. Become stubborn in our religion when we don't. That is the importance of hearing the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God. That's the only thing that will keep your heart stable and you are able to keep on moving. Moving with God. Let's uh, come to the next verse. Therefore you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not obey you. You shall also call to them, but they will not answer you. You can speak. I'm speaking to you. You speak to them. So you shall say to them, this is a nation that does not obey the voice of the Lord, their God, nor receive correction. Truth has perished and been cut off from their mouth. When I do not hear the voice of the Lord and receive correction, what happens is truth is cut off from my mouth. 
I no longer speak the truth. I speak lies. I speak lies. The only way you and I can speak truth is that we hear the voice of God. And obey. And obey. No? Now these have, these things have eternal consequences. Like, Lord, we may prosper temporarily on earth. It's a temporal prosperity. But like Lot, we'll also realize at the end, it is only temporary. Eternity will cost. That's why scripture says, many will come through the fire. All their works burnt up. So here, everywhere you will see, the, the casualty is truth. Yeah, we just look at till 28, 29 is asking for a personal action from the prophet as a, so God is, when we look at it and you will see, God is so Gentle and kind. And he uses his prophet. You know what, prophet? You cut your hair off and cast it. Let them see. At least somebody will ask you, why have you gone bald? And then you will say, you know, God is very hurt and that man's heart may be broken and changed. You know, do everything possible to change at least one heart back to me. And he found some prophets in every generation who will go to the extreme. One fellow will lie on the side for how many weeks, and then on the other side. He'll do all kinds of things, you know, just to turn somebody. One prophet has to marry a prostitute. She goes back, buy her back. The kind to the limit God went. Okay, we have to see the heart of God through all this. Otherwise, we will not understand. So please remember, Jesus said, the casualty here is... Truth will perish. Remember, we are looking at spiritual warfare, battle, armor, and you will see everything, the beginning is truth. It's a beginning. I and you are saved by truth. If truth is gone, we are gone. James 1.18 By his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. The word of truth packaged in lies, God loves you so much. He really, really loves you. Such nice people. Let's repeat this prayer after me. That's not true. God loves you so much. The real thing is that everyone is destined to go to hell. Wages of sin is death. Everyone is destined to go to hell. You don't have to go to hell. Acknowledge you are a sinner. Acknowledge your righteous deeds mean nothing. Believe completely in the work of Jesus Christ alone from the beginning till the end. Repent with your heart and keep on repenting and believe. That's a word of truth. Today if you hear modern day Peters, people don't say, what should I do? They will say, what will I get? What should I confess to get more? There's no conviction. There's no conviction. Even when a miracle takes place, there's no conviction. Do you know when a miracle took place in Peter's life, there was incredible conviction. Today there's no conviction. <laughs> okay. So you need to realize everything begins with truth. My walk with God begins with truth. I was born again by the word of truth. You know? And I am kept by truth. If I have to be kept, I have to put on the belt off. That's the first thing. First piece of arm. I'm not even in a battle. Forget the battle. I am kept by truth. I'm protected by truth. 
And I keep on moving only by truth. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. You have to abide, continue in my word. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So, it's a continuation in truth. And remember, our problem is like Pilate, what is truth? Okay, so God says, we saw on Sunday, before you can receive the truth, you need to have an attitude to receive. See, uh, Cain had a stinking attitude. So even though God personally spoke to him, it made no difference. He did not have an attitude to receive the truth. God can speak to you. But it's of no effect if you don't have an attitude. That's why God said about, what is that? Incline. And we looked at inclining is an attitude of the spirit. And Jesus will say, learn of me. I am meek and okay. That's an attitude. He's meek. He's lowly. James 1 and verse 21, Pastor Vijay was mentioning that he often mentions that. Okay, but you look at the attitude there. James 1.21, about receiving the implanted word of God. You can receive the word, yeah. James 1.21, there is an attitude, therefore lay aside. That's what we have to do, our part, put, and receive with meekness. See, without meekness, you cannot receive the implanted word of God. Meekness is the attitude. Everybody hears in a church. Everybody does not hear with meekness. And Jesus said, one of the first things you need to learn of me is my meekness. My meekness. Yesterday, if I'm right, Pastor Vijay spoke on, not spoke, used Isaiah 50, verse 4 and 5. We constantly talk about, you know, Jesus had the... Now, I personally believe the Holy Spirit taught him, but I also believe the Holy Spirit taught him through his father. And the synagogue, wherever he went. Earthly father, that is Joseph. And God is not to support the ways. He says, learn from your father, but I will give you understanding. Which your father also won't know. Okay? Learn from him. Okay? Otherwise we will say, I can't learn from my father. No? He had a righteous father. Okay? Let's go to Isaiah 50 and verse 4 and 5. Isaiah 50 verse 4 and 5. Okay. We were looking, uh, Pastor Vijay was talking about the hearing. Eh? God has given me the tongue of the Lord. Everybody wants that. But forget all that, that I should ha- know how to speak a word in season to whom who is weary. That also irrelevant. That should come through this process. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. So I believe it was his father who woke him up first. <laughs> okay? Woke him up first. Okay? So the Lord has opened my ear. The Lord has opened. But that's not the key. The Lord can open everybody's ear. The question is, will you be rebellious or obedient? God opened Cain's ear. He heard. He heard. Because he won't hear. The thing is that God, it's, it's not about that he opened my ear. I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. He said that I was meek, and I was meek all the way. I was humble, I was humble all the way. It may have started with a small little scripture lesson in Torah from Joseph, which is ending up on the cross. That's what verse 6 says. 5 to 6, there's a huge gap of 33 years. 
Success jumping to the end. I gave my back to those who struck me. Why? Because I heard. Where did you hear at Gethsemane? I heard. I heard. No. So he says, unless you have that attitude, you cannot continuously hear. And destiny is fulfilled by continuously hearing. And he did not turn back, he says. So, from Adam to the last man, before Jesus returns, there is one requirement that will not change. You have to hear my voice and obey. Though we all have the same book, our lives are different. Our situations are different. How our struggles are different. It's not the same. It's not the same. Okay? Dr. Richard is a uh, doctor. Um, he's a doctor, medical doctor. Imagine he has an OPD and he's sitting over there. Fifteen patients come. What he has studied in medicine is the same. But the fifteen patients are coming with fifteen different diseases and his prescription is not the same. It's different. The questions are not the same. The answers are not the same. The prescription is not the same. We all have the same text. Written by the same God, by the same Spirit. But our problems are different. And our destinies are also different. We need to hear individually. Individually. No? The new covenant, David would introduce him in the old covenant, the new covenant. The Lord is my shepherd. Okay, it's, it's a very personal psalm. Very personal psalm. Very personal psalm. Okay, and in the new covenant, Jesus is introduced or he introduces himself as a shepherd. And first in John chapter 10, 3 to 5, he introduces himself to the one he sent by the father. This is to the Jews. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. Who's the doorkeeper? The Holy Spirit. Okay, to see, thousands of preachers are there. They all come in the name of Jesus. But all are not the preachers of Jesus. They come in the name of Jesus. So when the difference between two preachers is, one preacher is preaching the Jesus of the scripture, the another preacher is preaching something else in the name of Jesus. But the one who is preaching in the name of Jesus, according to the word, the Holy Spirit opens the heart of the hearer. Opens the heart of the ear. The doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him. Why? Before they know his voice. They know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And one of the fundamental things Jesus does in the church is to teach us to distinguish between the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the other, the enemy, the stranger. Stranger. So that's how he begins. And this is in what way? And this is one thing pastors around the world have to be very, very careful about. We don't draw a congregation to ourselves. We draw a congregation to Christ and teach them to listen and let them go and fulfill their destiny. Fulfill their destiny. 
No. After the Jews, the gospel comes to the Gentiles. So in chapter 10, again, verses 14 to 16, he says nothing will change. Yeah? I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own, as the Father knows me. Even so I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. They will hear my voice. The Gentiles also will hear my voice. And Peter was shocked that the Gentiles in Cornelius' house heard the voice of God. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them. He says, my gosh, the Holy Spirit has fallen upon them exactly the same way. So who is to stop them from being baptized? Same way. Okay. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. How does a Jew and the Gentile become one in Christ? By hearing the voice of God. If you only have the written word, you are still separate. You still go to a Jewish system, you still have the court of the Gentiles. Even if you read the Torah. They are not one. What makes the Jew and the Gentile one? Hearing the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God. It is hearing the voice of God. No? There is nothing else. Nothing else. The written word alone will not bring unity. It's a hearing of the voice. What can make the white man, the black man, the brown man, man of every language, every color, every race? It's everyone hears the same voice. That's what it brings. The confusion is because people don't hear the voice of God. And if they hear, they ignore it. Okay. In the new covenant, if you look, in the new covenant, there are only two places as far as I know where in the body of Christ unity is mentioned. Unity is mentioned. It is in Ephesians 4.3 and Ephesians 4.13 and you will see the key is given. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. That is first mentioned. The spirit. How do you know the spirit? By the voice. And verse 13. Until we all come to the unity of the, that is talking about the word, the precepts. The unity of the voice, the unity of the precepts, when it comes together, the church becomes one. And there is no black, there is no white, there is no race, there is no tribe, there is no language. We realize we are one because of the spirit and the word. When you have the word alone, it still does not work. It still not work because you will go backward and not forward. Please remember, it was a disparate group, not desperate, disparate group of 120 people who gathered in the upper room. They were gathered in one accord. Why? Because of what they had heard, what was told. Stay in Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem until you have. So, they spoke. They prayed, one accord, based on what they had heard and their city. What made them one? It's on the tenth day when the Holy Spirit came. And one of the fundamental things which you have to realize is, there is a secret what happens on the day of Pentecost. These 120 people speaking in so many different languages, the message was one. See the unity God brought? 
The people who are speaking does not know the language they are speaking. The people who are hearing understand what they are saying. But the message is one. There is no confusion. There is no confusion. Because this is the unity that the Holy Spirit brings. There is no discord. That's the unity brought by the Holy Spirit. Because they all hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So please understand this. In John 17, 17, because we have to keep what is hammering in these fundamental concepts, because I believe a day and hour will come, we will know after November 3rd which way it will go, whether we have no time or we have time, we will know where each man will have to survive. You look through history of persecution of people. Everybody's. Let me give you a simple example. A concentration camp right now in China. You have millions of Uyghur Muslims, hundreds and thousands of them. You have thousands or hundreds of thousands of Christians too, but nobody will mention Christian because it's not politically correct to mention Christian persecution. It's only politically correct to mention Muslim persecution. Then you have the group called Falun Gong. These are very simple uh, Buddhists, harmless Buddhists. Practice harm. So, you see, in a, in a atheistic society, persecution, all religion is seen as because that's what Marx said, religion is the opium of the masses. So religion has to be wiped out. So whether you are a Muslim, whether you are a Christian, whether you are a Buddhist, if you do not subscribe to a totalitarian state, you are put it into concentration camp, which is basically re-education camp. Re-education camp. And if you look at all these historical records, you will see that most people buckle under pressure. Either they die, they go mad, or they recant. The very few ones who come through are the ones who were Christians who had learned to hear the voice of God. They come through unshaken or they die for their faith. And the world will ultimately go to a time like that, the time of the Antichrist. No gatherings, no church, no worship, each man. <sighs> each man. And what is God's safety? What is God's safety for all seasons, all times? Each one. Hear my voice. So in John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. That is the word of God. It's truth. And John 16, verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. So there is the word of truth. And there is the spirit of truth. Both have to come together. Both have to come together. And the unity in an individual or in a community of believers is only possible when both come together. I can have the word of God, but I can interpret it myself and justify all my sins. Okay? Justify it. I can have the word of truth and I cannot have the voice of the Holy Spirit. You can't fool with that voice. If Samuel had not the discernment of the Spirit, he would have gone by what Saul said. I have obeyed the command of the Lord. He said, but what's the sound that I hear? How did he know this was a sheep he had not sacrificed? How did he know this sheep were not here? Jewish sheep, this is Amalekite sheep. How did he know? Because he heard. So he heard the discernment. He heard. Discernment, okay? So I can fool myself with the written word, 
But you cannot fool yourself with the spirit of truth. Like I said, the simple example we used on Sunday is the best example. Thou shalt not make any graven image. Oh, I am so happy there are no images in my house. <laughs> you may be the most covetous person on earth. And Bible says covetousness is idolatry. That only the Spirit of God can so. It's only when these two come together, God can make us whole. Remember, this is God's intent. Always this was His intent. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 10 to 12. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. He's talking about spiritual Israel here. The church says the Lord, I'll put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. Okay, wait, he says, okay, now everything is going to be internalized. Okay, he says, I'm going to write the law in your heart. It's not a written word that is outside the tablet. It will be written in your, what is written in your heart is not, when the law is written in your heart, it becomes truth. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least. That's enough. That's, that's much enough. Least to the, what the scripture says. Once you have internalized scripture, you have understood truth. God is able to guide you through your heart. What should I do, pastor, in this situation? Yes, beginning, children. But after a time, you don't have to know the spirit. So this is what you need to do. Each one will know me. Each one will know me. There is a truth in where they say many of these gifts will slowly not pass away completely, will become redundant. Imagine a church which, let's say our church, let's say we have 50 people. Every 50 have learned to hear from the Spirit of God. Do you need prophecy? Now, each one will need the gift of prophecy when they go out and witness. But they don't need it for themselves because the Spirit leads them. But the spirit may use so that you don't get proud. He may just hide something from you so you are dependent upon another brother who says this is it. But everybody knows the voice. We are one body, many parts, like the three words, dependent, independent, interdependent. Okay, interdependent. We are interdependent. God will not also, no man is an island. He will not allow that to. Okay, but every man will know the voice of God. This was God's original idea always. And our purpose of ministry is to lead people that each sheep knows the shepherd's voice. So hearing is personal. Personal. Okay, hearing is personal. Even in things which we think is normal. Let's look at a community situation. Let's look at personal community situation. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 onwards. Now in those days when the number of disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because the widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve the tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the... Now, the thing is that he says, Why do you need somebody full of the Holy Spirit to wait at the table? Because even there you need to hear. You need to hear. 
Nothing in God's kingdom is done without hearing. Without hearing. Without hearing. You know, otherwise what is happening at the table of distribution, God's resources will be wasted. Widow is coming. No, please, I have three children, I need this much. And Stephen looks at him and says, but the spirit says you have only one child. Isn't that what happened at the offering with Ananas and Sapphira? That is in giving to the Lord. There God checked. Here is receiving. Both are the same. The resources of the kingdom. Resources of the kingdom. And God says, you know what? Think about if system functions like that. A church functions like that. And God says, you can function like that. These are not just ideals. You can function like that. You don't have to fear. You don't have to fear. You know, walk like that. 300 years he walked like that and God took him. So please remember, we need people full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom comes from the written word of God. So that's our security belt. Holy Spirit is what takes us ahead. But we have the security of the written word of God is our security. Okay, please. Because it's very easy to get deceived when you're not a good student of the word of God. And knowing the word of God is not memorizing scripture. It's not reading or memorizing scripture. When Paul tells Timothy, it's not about reading, that you know correctly how to divide the word of God. That is knowing scripture. N- knowing scripture means understanding the mind of God. That's what it means. The scripture is a revealed mind of God. How would God do things in a situation? How does God think? How does God think? It's not that anybody, any man in all of eternity will understand the full mind of God. But what I need to understand for this life is possible. Okay, so when you're talking about wisdom, it's talking about written scripture. In Matthew 22 and verse 29, this is what Jesus says. Please understand this balance always. That balance is important. Jesus answered and said, you are mistaken not knowing the scriptures. You mean to say the Pharisees did not know the scriptures? They memorized the entire Torah. He says, but you don't understand it. <laughs> he says, to understanding the edge is the Holy Spirit. He says, I will interpret it to you. You don't understand. You are interpreting scripture with your own understanding. I am interpreting scripture. You memorize scripture. I memorize scripture. At that we both are the same. We both grew up in the same Jewish tradition. I was also taught the Torah. You were also taught the Torah. You were taught more because you went to seminary after that. I remained a carpenter. Or the basic text we both read was the same. But the difference is I have the spirit. You don't have the spirit. It is the spirit that gives you understanding. He says, you, uh, KJ will use the word, you err. Okay, you err. You err. Okay. You are mistaken. You make mistakes. You err. You, in your interpretation, you make mistakes. It's a, ye do err, not knowing the scriptures. When he's talking about knowing the scriptures, he's not telling they don't read the scriptures, they haven't memorized the scriptures, they're not devoted them to the scriptures, they simply err because they don't have the spirit who interprets scripture. They have the word of truth, they don't have the spirit of truth. No? So we have to realize in the end, Entire sermon on the mount, Jesus is dealing with written scripture 
and interpretation. No? He keeps on telling, right? You have heard, but I tell you, you have heard, but I have tell you. And they are shocked. Oh, this is, I mean, this is after hundreds and hundreds of years of walking around with the Torah, the first time man is understanding what it meant. You have heard, I am telling you, you have heard, this is what it means. And if you look at the, in any religion, primarily into any religion of a devout religious man, religion has three primary sections of any religious man, whether it is Muslim or Hindu, Christian, whatever, no. One is that his giving, his offerings, everybody goes, a temple he goes and offering, you will see all the, People in the morning, if you come early, stealing flowers, okay, from neighbor's garden to offer it to the God. Okay, they begin with thieving in the morning. <laughs> because whenever I pass by, they immediately look thinking I am the honor, I am not the honor. Okay, so you will see every religion offers something. It's an offering. And the second thing, in every religion there is what is called prayer. It's not religion without prayer. Every religion has prayer. And the third is, every religion has fasting. Hindus fast, Muslims fast, Christians fast, Jews fast, Buddhists fast, everybody fast. So you have giving, offerings, you have prayer, you have fasting. And Jesus comes and throws a spanner into the works and says, this is how you need to do. This is how you need to do. Though there is offering in scripture, there is fasting in scripture, and there is prayer in scripture, he takes something out of it by taking the self out of it and says do it in secret and see if you can sustain you will be able to sustain in your giving in your prayer life and your fasting only with the spirit impossible without the spirit impossible without the spirit that's that's basically the core of it if you want to give all your life without anybody knowing only the spirit will make it possible that's what he's saying you are not knowing scriptures nor the power of God how can I be a giver without anybody knowing all my life? That's the power of God. That's not the power of man. The power of man will only give when you are recognized and you get a medal what a generous man is. If he's not told two times, they will stop. The power of man, he wants to be known as a praying man. We have this common term in, in Christendom, prayer warrior. And they love it. And then, of course, in our circles, when it comes to the word of God, student of the word. They wanted to be known as a teacher of the word. We like to be called students of the word. Whether we study or not is irrelevant. We want that title. This is the difference between the spirit. When the spirit comes, what happens? Okay? This is the only way possible we understand through scripture God's kingdom. His mind, his will. And we function the balance between scripture, the written word, and the Holy Spirit. And that is where protection comes. Protection comes. The scripture is there written. You see, I'll, I'll explain to you. Simple modern day explanations for people who understand. In the Western world, they of course understand because right now they're... You see, we had this case uh, in Rajasthan going on. We you know how, how they pervert the constitution. No, you see them doing it. But in one of the arguments that was presented in the Rajasthan, because I like law, I read those details, okay. I always like law. There are different things I would have been if I hadn't been a pastor. I actually thought about law in law college once, okay, evening classes, then I gave it up. Because I realized the law of God is better than that. One of, if, I, if I'm right, it was compulsible. One of the judgments he quoted in the Rajasthan High Court was from the British High Court. 
British High Court. Meaning, if you are in a court at that level arguing, you can quote a president is from another country from another law. Say in this, or the Supreme Court of US, in this case, which is similar to this, this is how they ruled. Okay. What I'm trying to tell you is that if you look at the US Supreme Court, which is where all the crazy stuffs happen, you have nine people. Four conservatives, four liberals, and a turncoat in the middle. <laughs> okay. I, see, these are, now if you look at one of the headlines in one of the conservative news day for yesterday, they said the most dangerous man in USA, Justice John Roberts. I said this six years ago, watch that man, he's the most dangerous man. Six, seven years ago, I said, he's the most dangerous man. You cannot trust him. You cannot trust him. And his rulings have messed up U.S. You know, the U.S. is in a mess today. It's because of one of his rulings connected with Obamacare. That's the mess you are in. He made a ruling about Obamacare. Like they did with Aadhaar here and tried to pass Aadhaar as a financial bill. He did that same thing. You see, there are fundamental things you need to understand. Obamacare is connected with health. For 6,000 years, health was the private decision of an individual. It had nothing to do with government. When you allow the government to come into your health and make it mandatory, one by one they will take your rights away. Government can get into health, but don't ever say it is mandatory you buy Obamacare. They're taking, government is saying health is also we will decide your health. These are fundamental things. So people don't understand where conservatives come from. These are fundamental things. Never in human history was health the responsibility of the government. No. Their job was to small government, allow people. But health was my concern. It was never the government's concern. It was my concern. You eat well, you drink well, you exercise well. Take care of your health, and if you fall ill, look at the remedies that is possible. Government may establish for the poor hospitals and all, but the government will not what you make take over all the hospitals and all Medicare and bring it under the government so that and everybody has to buy into their this thing. Then what happens? Imagine mm, I am in a hospital, I am in the ICU, and Dr. Richard is there. We four are over there, and the facility is only for one person. Dr. Richard and three surgeons decide, okay, uh, Vijay, Pastor Vijay is 40 years old, I am 55, Peter is 30, Sammy is 30, and there are only two um, ventilators. Let these two die. Ultimately, you give it to your government. The government will start making decisions about your life. This is the danger of socialized medicine. People do not understand concepts of what the danger of socialism is. In Cuba, people do not decide who lives. The system decides. You want socialized medicine? They will decide. Let me tell you, I talked about um, concentration camp in China. These are verified facts. You have a Muslim convict, you have a Christian convict, and you have the third one, the Buddhist one, which is called Falungam. Falungam people are very, very religious, very clear about their health and their eating habits and all. So what happens is that in the communist system, let us say when Pastor Vijay is a communist party head, his lung is failing. The lung he wants is from the prison camp from the Falun Gong practitioner because his lungs is more healthy than the Christians and the Muslims. 
So he is killed, his organ is taken and he gets in and he is walking with his organ now. This is what happens under socialism. Okay. So you need to understand the difference between truth and ideas. Ideas have power to destroy. Absolutely. So you have nine justices sitting over there and they have the constitution and they have. So the whole idea is, the conservatives will say, your job is to interpret it according to the intent of the founders. The liberals will say times are changing, so it has to be interpreted according to the times. But the problem here, the constitution is also written by men. So, so what if the founders wrote it that way? That's not the world I am living in. But the problem is you bring the same attitude in the culture, into the church, into the word of God and says it won't work that way. The intent of the writer always says, but I and you will know the intent only when the Holy Spirit reveals this is the intent. This is the intent. And that's why the, thou shall not commit adultery. They didn't understand the intent. They didn't understand. Jesus said, this is what he means. This is the intent. This is the intent. Thou shall not kill. Jesus says, you didn't understand the intent. This is the intent. This is where the Holy Spirit comes. This is where the Holy Spirit comes. And if we accept what he called the verdict of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, you are free. You are free. That's our unity. What is a church? A church is a set of people who are being made one, who are one and being made one through the word of God and through the spirit of God. Unity of faith, that is the word, unity of the spirit. Okay. Out of the mouth of the priest shall come what? Knowledge. So what is the purpose of, what is the job of the priest? Knowledge. So Aaron represents the priesthood. Who is he? From whom will come the law and the covenants. But how does Israel become one? Because of the anointing that flows from him down and goes. The word he represents and the anointing makes Israel one. How beautiful is when brothers live in unity. It only happens when these both come together. Otherwise it is not possible. And it will involve each one personally surrendering to the word and the spirit. And when such a set of people come, there is unity. There is no conflict. There is unity. That is what the kingdom of God is. And that's what God is working. And ultimately, when that set of people walk together, they are actually walking with God. Like Enoch walked with God. Everybody is talking about rapture, rapture. Who will be raptured? It's a set of people around the world who are actually one in the, in the faith and one in spirit and walking with God. God says, I will take you. Because you have a testimony that pleases God. You hear? You understand. You obey. You are meek. I can take you. No. This is what the oneness come from. Okay. Let's look at another situation. Another situation. In Acts chapter 15, you have a major situation. Major. Because you have to understand this kingdom concepts. Otherwise, we will never be able to go for. We'll look at numbers and think, wow, I've got such a great church. Another one saying, I have no numbers. Uh, so I am walking in the will of God. None of these things are <laughs> relative. There is no nothing in poverty or riches. The only thing is that, do you hear? Do you hear and you will you stand solid on the word of God. Stand solid on the word. What you hear will never contradict what is written. 
Okay, so you have in Acts chapter 15, you have a situation. A situation is now because the Judaizers within are coming and saying that uh, they have to be circumcised. So Paul and Barnabas and all are sent to Jerusalem. A whole lot of stuff is happening. Finally, you will see there is a decision that is made. You have to realize God's revelation in the book of Acts is also progressive. It is moving from step to step. Acts chapter 6 is one setting. Acts chapter 15 is years later, another setting. Okay, now we look at that in verse 22 to 23. 22 to 23. Then it pleased the apostles and the elders with the whole church. So they have come to unity. To send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabas and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren to the brethren who are of Gentiles in Antioch and Sicilia. Okay? So they are sending out a letter. Okay? They wrote this letter. So it's, it's one letter going from the church, which is the headquarters of the church. Because every place has only one church. There's no two churches. Okay? So there's only one denomination called the Church of Christ. This is the headquarters from where the letter is going. Okay. Letter goes. But see what is happening before the letter goes. Go to verse 12. Then all the multitude kept silent, listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. Now the church in Jerusalem is gathered with the apostles, the elders, everybody. And Paul and Barnabas again, hey, Gentiles don't have to be circumcised. This is not according to the law. Paul and Barnabas gives to this thing. The whole over there. Look at verse 13. After they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Who speaks? Not Peter. What happened? Between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 15, what happened? Peter has moved in his apostleship to other areas. The head of the Jerusalem church is James. The head of the Jerusalem church is the pastor James. Not me, Pastor James. Look at verse 19. Simon has declared, yeah, you go to verse 18. He's speaking. No, 18. Known to God from eternity are all his works, therefore I judge that. Yeah, okay, go. He talks, he mentions about Simon too. Simon has declared how God at first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people. And with this, the word of the prophets agree, just as it is written. Yeah. And after this, I will return and rebuild this. He, he, he gives the interpretation. Who is the spirit speaking to? It's not speaking to Simon. Not speaking even to Paul or Barnabas. In that group, God will never circumvent order. Will not circumvent order. Okay, in that this because this is going to be a decision which is going to affect the entire Christendom, and who gets the revelation? And everybody has the spirit, and they know the revelation is right. The revelation comes to James, but everybody has the same spirit, and know the interpretation is right. And what does he say? Come further down. Known to God, okay, and verse nineteen. Therefore, it's not we. I, what written has? We. Judgment is made by? 
Me. And everybody? Because it's the same spirit. Therefore I judge, we should not trouble those from the Gentiles who are turning to God. But when the letter goes, he says, we as a church has agreed. But actually if you know, the revelation is given and the final call is taken by James. Did you understand how order works? Why? Because these are all these are all issues that are connected with understanding structure, understanding truth, understanding the Holy Spirit. There are three primary structures God has placed. One is the family, the other is the church, and the third is the government. These are three. And they are interdependent, but they have their own spheres where the other should not interfere, unless asked. One is the family, the other is the ecclesia, the church, and the third is the government. In an ideal situation, all these three complement each other. But the written word lays down the truth. And then the spirit brings unity and administration. First you have to have a written. Right? And oneness will come only when individuals are united with one purpose. That is his name, his kingdom, and his will. Note in Acts chapter 2, only Peter spoke. In Acts chapter 15, only James spoke. One, among a group of 12 apostles, one apostle spoke. Another, in the church of Jerusalem, the pastor spoke. On the day of Pentecost, everybody accepted Peter's testimony. 15, Acts chapter 15, everybody agreed with James' testimony. We have to understand these things, otherwise it will not work. Because this is connected with hearing. What if God had spoken to Paul instead of James? Wouldn't that be their division? And God is consistent about these things. You need to understand the written truth and the spiritual truth. In the family, we will begin with the family. Family, church. We don't have to go to church and the government. Let's deal with the family. Headship is to man and not to woman. God is consistent about it throughout the Bible. In Genesis chapter 2, you see only Adam. You don't see him, Adam. God speaks to Adam. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam takes the decision. God comes to Adam. He doesn't go to Adam. He says, you are responsible. I made you the head. Even if she goofed up, it was you who are responsible. Because you are the head. You will see the most astonishing part how God will not change his order is it when it even comes to his own son. When his son has to be conceived and born, the Gabriel comes to Mary. Because Joseph is not involved in this at all. So it comes to Mary. Mary has a divine visitation. And Mary is told she does not understand. She humbles herself and she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to the word. God spoke to... No, we don't have to go there to look. God spoke to Mary. Little later, Joseph realizes Mary is pregnant. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 20. 
Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with this child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Joseph, son of David. Okay. If you read the Gospels very carefully, God spoke to Mary only once about the conception. After that, he only spoke to Joseph. He never spoke to Mary. In the conception thing, he had to speak to Mary directly, but Joseph is not involved. After she gets married, uh, pregnant, he only speaks to Joseph. He doesn't speak to Mary. He won't subvert his order. Won't subvert his order. If you proof, chapter 2, verse 13. Matthew 2, 13. Matthew 2, chapter 2, verse 13. When they had deported, departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for God will see. You see, this is a young child. He's around two years old. In all our pagan myths, this is not how it happens. A young child will speak. The God child will speak. See, God put his God child in a family and says, I'll speak to you through the father. He will lead you. Not you will lead him. But that's not how it happens. In any pagan religion, the God child speaks. And the mother and her mouth fall open. God says, I don't subvert order. That's because you need to understand God's kingdom has order. These are truths which you have to receive. Because until we come to that order, we will not hear. God says, incline and hear. Humble yourself and listen carefully. That is order. Enter my gates with thanksgiving in your heart and my courts with... That's order. He says, you don't jump and come and say, Lord, speak to me. He says, where's your order? Where's your order? Lord, why didn't you speak to you, Lord? I'm six years old. I've been asking, Lord, why did I... I already spoke to you three times through your father and your mother. You didn't hear. You want to subvert my order and come to me? I'm talking about in case of a believing house. Okay? God doesn't subvert order. 19 to 21. Now when Herod was dead, behold, dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. So we don't know how many years passed. He's still not speaking through the child or the mother. 21, he took, and verse 22. Now when Herod was dead, yeah. Verse 22. Yeah. But when he heard that Achilles was reigning of Judah instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there and being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. He's not giving any dream, any vision to Mary or speaking through his own son Jesus. Why is this so important? Because when God is talking about seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in that thing called kingdom of God, concept called kingdom of God, there are two things. One is order, the other is power. The kingdom of God is not just a matter of power, it's also a matter of order. So when you are seeking the kingdom of God, the truth of his order matters. 
And not just power alone. There is power and there is order. Look at Matthew 28 and verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Let me ask this question. Doesn't the very word of God says the Father and the Son are equal? Though we use a terminology called Son, He is not a Son, He was always God. But behold, this day I have created you, so He became a Son. Because God lives in eternity, so he already seen Jesus coming in the flesh, he begot it. That's when he becomes a son. But before that, he was not a son, he was God. But he allows himself to be called God the Son. And because he is God the Son, and he is equal to God with all power, yet he says, he comes under order and says, all authority has been given to me. Given to me. Do you understand order? There is power, there is authority here, and he says it's been given to me. Why? I come under order. And we have under, we have agreed in the Trinity, my father is the head. And I've been given it to me. And why I have all author and all authority and power given to me? Not to do my own thing. It is to do my father's will. What is this? First Corinthians fifteen twenty four. I will subdue all my enemies. And after I have subdued everything in eternity, what will I do? And then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father. When he puts an end to all rule and all authority. And what will he do? Do you know what he will do? He will take the kingdom and give it to the Father. The Father will rule. Through the Son. By the Spirit. Do you see order? And our entire struggle is because we don't understand the kingdom of God. And its nature. Or its righteousness. Understand? No. And Jesus understood. We know very well. It's Corinthians 11, right? 3? Yeah, 1 Corinthians 11, 3. No. I want you to know the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. I mean, why should the head of Christ be God? <laughs> it's order. It's got nothing to do with equality. <laughs> Though he was equal to God. But he says... My head is my? How you are equal. So when you talk about head, what do you mean? Head in everything. Everything. <laughs> you are equal to God. Okay, I understand. Okay, you are equal to God. But headship. So you have divided departments? No. Director, joint director. So departments are divided. Director handles it. Joint director handles it. They are almost equal. So he handles this, 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 and he handles this, this, this. You should you know, create no tension. There is no overlapping of departments. But that's not what the son says. The son says everything is under the father. Everything. Do you see, understand order, how the kingdom of God works? And that's what we don't understand, the nature of his righteousness nature of his righteousness. This righteousness which comes by faith, this righteousness that comes from God by faith, which comes by hearing, all these things are important. The written word of God, the understood revelation of the word of God, the power of God, and the order of God. Otherwise we are just beating around 
Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Luke 10, 27. Luke 10, 27. Oh, can you hear? Yeah, I think that came a long time ago. Okay. Luke 10, 27. What did Jesus say? It's interesting here. Okay, I like this. He answered, said, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Okay, that's enough. Remember, this is sort of fundamental things of the word you have to understand. If you want to hear the voice of God and go ahead with God. There are three primary aspects about this. He answered and said, you shall love God, your God, with all your heart. When he brings all your heart over there, it is talking about the person of God. The person of God. The person. That is a person. God is a person. I am the truth. I am truth. So God is a person. Okay? All your heart, in your heart, that unshakable devotion and loyalty to the person of God revealed through Jesus Christ should be there as the person. Absolute devotion to the person of God. Person. Okay. With all your heart, with all your soul. In your soul, there are three parts. Your soul has your mind, your will, and your emotions. So with all your soul. All your soul. All your strength. Strength is what you put into the purpose of God. Your energy, your resources, your time. And then he comes and says, with all your mind. He detaches mind and put there. So when he says, love God with all your mind, he's basically talking about loving truth. Heart with the person, mind with God as truth. And God will say in Second Thessalonians, people will fall away because here they did not receive the love of truth. The love of truth. That's where freedom lies. That's where freedom lies. And until we accept, we are never going to be free. Never going to be free. Never going to be free. We have to love God as the person. We have to love God with our mind. You have to constantly receive the love of truth. Otherwise, we will go into a delusion. The delusion means you are deceived and you don't know you are deceived. That's the danger. You're in a delusion, but that's your reality. Though it's not real, that's your reality. Nobody allows themselves to be knowingly deceived. Then you need deliverance. You know you are not deceived, but you are weak. You are powerless. And God delivers you. Right? But delusion means you do not know. You're deluded. You're fooled. These three are three different things. Now let it, let me just an aside. I'll preach upon that on another day if I'm right. Uh, Second Thessalonians one three, three or one four. We have looked at it all in the old days, but like I said, we have a lot of children these days. Yeah, First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Yeah, three. First Thessalonians. 
Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience or endurance of hope in our condition. Paul will say through the Holy Spirit, three things are the most important. Love, faith, and hope. And these three things are work differently. Faith has work. Love has labor. Love has labor. Love God with all your heart, the person. Faith is primarily an aspect of your mind. Hope is where you need endurance not to give up. You give up. Okay. You don't give up. You keep on, keep on, keep on. And these three complement each other. But the outworking is different. One has work, the other has labor, and the third has patience or endurance. And our issue is, our freedom lies in receiving truth as a person, and truth in the mind, and we endure towards it. And we don't circumvent God's order. Truth never changes. Truth never. And the entire mess today is connected with that. Let me, as I close, let me give you, we have to bring it to current situations. First Timothy chapter 2 verses 12 and 13. Two, two, twelve and thirteen. First Timothy chapter two, twelve and thirteen. You got it? I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. So what is he bringing there? Order. Because God has not changed. God does not. So he brings order. The question is, will the world, forget the world, leave the world aside. The world doesn't concern us. God expects the order to be in the church. And when they, one day when he comes, the order will be manifested in the world for a thousand years. He says, this is the order. Right? The question is, will we accept the order? When we don't accept the order, Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 12. As for my people, children are their oppressors. How do children become oppressors? Because women rule over. They subverted the order. Subverted the order. God has never subverted the order. God has spoken through women. But the women never circumvented his order. Even Deborah is the one through God speaks. But she tells Barak, the glory belongs to you. I will not support order. It was because he was a bus, he took her. And she told very carefully, if I come with you under your persuasion, Roma, the glory will go to me. Meaning saying, it's not good that I lead you. You should be going. Victory is guaranteed. Guaranteed. You see, I told you about three manifestations of the witchcraft, which is there in the old covenant, which will be replicated in the last days. The Bible talks about it. First to us, the magicians of Pharaoh. Those are ideas. The kingdom of God, full captive deliverance for God's people versus the ideas that enslave you. The rod of Moses versus the rods of the magicians. So many will start believing the doctrines of the devils and will go away from faith because what happens Doctrines talk them. This is the first battle we have to fight. Second, you will see Balaam. 
Balaam is this thing with money and lust. And you will see this is a combination that goes everywhere. Along with money and lust will go together. Money and covetousness and lust are partners. They go together. Because the, the, the danger with riches is riches gives you autonomy from God. Then you realize you actually start thinking, the rules don't apply to me. Rules don't apply to me. So you will see Balaam coming over there. Okay, so he will talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. This is the sin of God. You were rich. Sexual perversion came in. So you have that Balaam coming back over here in the new covenant. The third is Jezebel. Third is Jezebel. Jezebel is the one that subverts the order. She subverts order. Subverts order. And that's what the Bible is talking about. When you subvert the order. Now this order was subverted in the Christian world. See, there are three groups, primary groups in the Western world you cannot touch. First is a woman, because of radical feminism. Second is the homosexual lobby. Third is the transgender lobby. The woman is the mother, and these two are her children. See, we didn't ordain the gays first. We ordained the women first. Once you open a door, you cannot close it. We fought for equal rights. It's not about rights. It's about order. And even well-meaning Pentecostal pastors and all this thing. You know, the problem is... Once you go from revealed scripture, Paul talks about, first thing you made over there, uh, next thing what did you do? Gay. Ordain gay? Clergy. What is going to come next? Is already come now. What is that? Transgender clergy. It's coming. One of the Baptist churches over there, one of the pastors came out openly and said, I am transgender after being pastor for so many times. So they got together and voted he, her out, it out. You know? See, who opened these doors? Not the Muslims. Not the Hindus. They're not bothered about it. They were not, they were not, they're not custodians of God's truth. Okay? I'll tell you, it's going to come. Okay? I'm not prophetic, but I'm telling you. Soon, already started, Last part I'll tell you. Soon they will say God is woman, Jesus is gay, and the Holy Spirit is transgender. Wait and watch my words. You have to see how God moves in history, sometimes through Gentiles. Right? Saris, my servant. Wisdom. Holy wisdom. Holy wisdom. Feminized form of holy wisdom is Hagia Sophia. Remember? It's become Muslim. God said, take it. Take it. Because in Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodox, Holy Spirit is 
Hagia, Sophia, feminine. But throughout the Bible is always men- mentioned as he or his. Never feminine. See, I read history differently. So when the Muslims are celebrating, it has been turned into a mosque. It didn't bother me at all. It didn't bother me at all. It didn't bother me at all. What do you mean Hagia Sophia? Feminine. God is not feminine. He's father. Jesus is not feminine. He's male. And the Holy Spirit is him. And eternity, you don't have to worry about that. Both men and women, if they work under God's order here and reach your pinnacle, your rewards will be the same. But this is the test. This is the test. Do you understand what's happening? That is what is happening. And what is all this sold to us as? Rights. That's sold to us as rights. See, when you put the term right over there, you cannot question it. Women's rights, gay rights, transgender rights. What do you say? The church is not standing for rights. <laughs> what about the right of God? The only right you and I have in a kingdom is the right the king gives. You don't understand the difference between democracy and a kingdom. In a kingdom, you have only right which the king gives you. That's why when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't know what we are asking for. Asking for. We don't know what we are asking for. Okay. So these are fundamentals. We're just throwing a spanner into the works. But otherwise, nothing is going to happen. If a church has to be free. That's why, you know, like, you know, like in the Jerusalem church, we have GTC. Hyderabad is the headquarters. We have GTCs around the world. But this only thing that we deal, all our churches are autonomous. The only thing that we deal is like the Jerusalem church did. We deal with doctrine. That's all we deal. If you have doctrinal right, write to us. So, we don't de- interfere in their work. And Jerusalem church did not interfere in anybody. But they all helped each other. When famine came and all. But doctrine, Doctrinal decisions, if there was a dispute, even if there is Paul who heard from God and taught of God, went by the revelation given to James at headquarters. They went by that. Okay, And that's how God has put each one to here to walk with God. Okay, And how will the church stand in the last days? Falling into God's order. How will the house stand in the last days? Falling into God's order. In that order, there is power, there is authority, and you are able to subdue your enemies. And you are able to hear. Because I've seen this crazy stuff happening in Christendom. Where I, There was a particular case, I still remember, I once mentioned where and all. This couple suddenly lands up in this town. They have hired a house and they, they have brought all their savings, brought all their stuff in a truck, moved into the town and then finally they find and find the church and they are in the church. When you talk to them, they realize, I realize the man is very subdued. I said, what's this thing? Why are you here? He says, no, yes, the Lord led us, Lord. Finally I found out the woman received, the woman received a prophecy that you are asked to move to this place and if she'd sold everything, dragged her husband and brought. Today you know what? The woman is in the ministry and he's, they are divorced. 
the thing is that God has never subverted his order anywhere. Anywhere. Never. Think about a church where the woman is leading. Has God's word changed? I'm not saying a woman cannot minister. I'm talking about having authority over a man. See, let us let us look at this simple thing. This is where we have to get these ideas, okay? Because even Baptists and all, it's very funny. We have presidential form of government, president directly elected by the people, and the prime minister form, constitutional, other form of government. But both governments have a head, right? You can't have two presidents. Can you have president, vice president, right? Prime minister and the senior most in cabinet minister, senior most. That's all, right? CM, deputy CM. You can't have two prime ministers, two CMs. It's not possible, right? Uh, in the house, you can't have two heads, right? Can't have. Can you have? In creation, we know that anything that has two heads is an aberration. Immediately, it is a new scarf born with two heads. And one of the things they will do is take one head off if it has to survive. Right? Even twins that are conjoined or joined, it's not that they have two heads and only one heart. You will see they have other organs also. Therefore, they are able to separate them. Right? If they can be separated. So you accept. But when it comes to church, church has many heads. Yet, in the government, we know you have a president and you have the cabinet, you have the comrade with this thing to advise him, to help him to rule. The prime minister also, opposition, everything, all that there. Church also has elders and there is a pastor. The wife was created to be helpmate to the husband. Okay, but when they come to the church, you know what the confusion over there? They don't accept pastors. Plurality. It simply doesn't work. You know how difficult it is to even these churches which talk about plurality, you will see actually decision finally made by one man. And if it is not, the church moves nowhere. Because to have actually a plurality of elders, you need to be like the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. Even there, there is an order. It's a simple truth which we need to understand. And you need to realize if the church as a family and the church does not return back to the order revealed, the power of God is not going to be released. And if the power is released, it is being usurped. Another spirit comes in. That's what is happening everywhere. The spirit is coming. And that's what he's talking about in Isaiah. The woman rules and the children are Oppressors. These are the oppressors. Who are the ones who, who are the ones who are going oppressed? <laughs> the only ones who the Bible says who are normal, straight couples, who believe in conservative values, you know, they are the ones who are being oppressed. But the children did not come first. There was not a homosexual move, gay rights movement first. There was no transgender rights move first. There was a radical feminist movement first. And if you look at these are now protected species, you cannot speak against them even in church except like our churches. Oh, they hate John MacArthur. Oh, they hate him. Because he sticks to this. They hate him. (laughs) 
There it is like John Piper. John Piper and uh, John MacArthur are both sides of the call. One is a gentle side, one is a harder side, but they speak the same thing. Oh, the feminist lobby, they hate him. And you know what happens? This is the subtle way of the enemy. What happens is, once you have opened this Pandora's box, and when you see this confusion that is happening around, the church has no voice. Has no voice. What do you say? What do you say? You have no voice. Because these are all truth, or part of the whole truth, that you should reside with the church. The church was supposed to be the city on the hill. So what happens is, the church has to be immovable. Remember, for 1 Timothy 2.15, the church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. God, Jesus, Spirit, Word, and then the church becomes that. It says immovable. We don't change. We don't shake. We are not movable. This is what the church is. The church was the custodian. The church is the instrument that God is bringing restoration back. Everything. When the church does not become truth, what happens? The enemy takes the causes. And suddenly you will see people in the church running after causes. Racial unity is a cause of the church. It's a part of the truth. The spirit makes you one. There is no black, there is no white, there is no brown, there is no Chinese. In Christ you are all one. That is something the church should have shown. When the church failed that, the world took it and ran it with a cause. Now your church is silent. The order should have been in the church. No, unshakable. This is the order. The church doesn't change. This is God's order. Woman is equal. We respect her. But she is the home builder. And she is the praying mother. And that is what is important in God's is In the kingdom, the home is more important than the office. That is how it should have been taught. God is a homemaker and not an office man. God is a worker. If it had been put across that way and church was unmovable, this junk wouldn't have happened. We are stewards of God. The earth and the fullness belongs to us. So climate change should not have been an issue with the world. It should have been an issue with the church. We are custodians. I was telling Sami, I don't want to sound it as a testimony of being self-righteous. I was saying, Sami, my next door, my neighbors of my office, this young couple, they've been gone for over a month. So last week I texted them and said, Naresh, are you around? I'm always concerned, COVID, no, what happened to you? He says, no, uncle, we are in a hometown. Everybody is working alone, no? So last week I just went up. I just went up to see it's okay. And I always take care of that building like it's mine. Landlord never comes. He hasn't come for six months. When I went, I found the plants which I kept outside all are drying. Though there's some moisture in the air. And I was going down, I heard the Holy Spirit say, so what are the plants? Our first thinking is that why should I water plant in somebody else's plant? He says, no, the plants are mine. Plants are mine. He just takes care of it. Did we ever think the earth and its fullness belongs to us? Belongs to my father? We would have been very careful about plastic and garbage and not polluting and always going to God. Yes, we need fossil fuels, but believers would have gone into God and said, Lord, help us, help us, help us. You know what? If God were to give a believing scientist one way, one little secret which is in God's mind where this fossil fuels comes out without any pollutants. Every other industry will close. We have enough fossil fuels for the next 500 years. But did you think that way? The earth and the fullness belongs to my father. 
and it picks, it starts from the way you throw your garbage. I can't change the world. I can change the environment in which I believe. You know why? Because I'm a custodian of the truth that this belongs to my God. Belongs to my God. The church was supposed to be the, these causes were not for the world. The problem is once the world takes the cause, it is very difficult to fight it because along with the cause, they will bring in every other thing. Every other thing. And then you cannot battle it. Battle it. And that's what's happening to the world now. Happening to the world. We carried our Bibles, but we didn't let the Bible carry us. Bible carry us. That's where the Spirit of God comes. You know, Spirit of God comes. And as I close, one more nugget I will give it to you. If you ever, like I said, love God with all your heart, that's where it comes. And one of the fundamental things about loving God as a person is this. As a child, irrespective of who is listening, what kind of traumatized childhood and abuse you went through, don't bring that in. God is good and is always. You have to be absolutely, totally convinced about the goodness of God. Otherwise you will not be able to receive the love of truth in your mind. When you look at the goodness of God, God's goodness goes beyond my temporal life into my eternity. That's a very important. If you read First Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 13, you have about love. That's when God is love, you have to go there and read it. If you read first uh, Romans 12, you will see more things written about love. If you read Romans 13 and verse 10, if I am right, that one thing you need to understand so that you will love God with all your heart. 13.10, if I am right. Love does no? Okay. The law was given by God. One of the fundamental things which you have to understand, please listen carefully, all my children who are listening, listen carefully, so that you go with this understanding, this concept about truth when you put on truth. Love does, love does no? God will hurt you. God will never harm you. God will hurt you. Dr. Richard is sitting over there. Imagine uh, he's a surgeon. If he's surgeon, every patient he comes, he will hurt them. That will not harm them. Don't confuse these two things. God will hurt you. He said, I will discipline you, I will chastise you, I will scourge you. I will never harm you. And you have to see the hurt that you are going through and your heart should be wrapped around the goodness of God. He's hurting me, but it is for my good. That is what says all things work together for the good of those who love. They have understood the goodness of God. God loves me. He will never harm me. Joseph was hurt like crazy for 13 years, but he was never harmed eternally. If you're, it's an eternal picture. Everybody doesn't come out of prison like that. Most people die in prison. They die in prison, they come out as kings on the other side. So Joseph is just a picture. If Joseph's life is truth, then it should be replicated in everybody's life. No, it doesn't happen. It is eternal truth. 
a temporal picture of an eternal truth. That God will hurt you. But he will not harm you. She will not harm you. you know? So get these pictures all. Because we are not just studying uh, the Bible. We are trying to understand God. Try to understand God. If you don't understand the mind of God, you will not understand the ways of God. And one of the understanding the ways, that's what Moses understands. All his ways are just. He hurt me. But he didn't harm me. He didn't harm me. And one day he will realize, oh my gosh, after he dies and Jesus comes and takes captivity captive and he reaches heaven and he is shocked. He is shocked in heaven because he looks and sees Abel, Adam onwards and the angels and they are singing the song of Moses. My song? And you ask him, Moses, would you have sung that song if you hadn't been hurt? He would have said no. That song it's a song because you went through your pain and understood the mind of God. Now you realize it was never meant to harm you all eternity. All mankind will sing your song. And it will be always called your song. Because he hurt you. That he will not harm you. He will not harm you. These are fundamental things. Because unless you understand, okay, submit your husband in all things. Lord, it is so hurting. He says, it won't harm you. It won't harm you. Eternally, it will never harm you. Yes, temporarily, you may have a very abusive husband. This thing, stay out of abuse. or He's a very stuff man or whatever. Stay eternally. You, that's what I said. You don't judge Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and all from the law. Go by a received knowledge, what they have. So scripture says, Sarah submitted to husband, calling him Lord. And what is the Lord telling her? Pretend you are my sister. But she came to no harm. She was hurt. She was hurt. Why did she submit to her husband? Because that is the knowledge she has received from God. A woman should submit to her husband. She was hurt. She was humiliated. But she was not harmed. She was not harmed. She was not harmed. Now don't take that and put it over here because now God does not allow man to do something like that. Then but law, protection, nothing is given. But God still saw to that. She was not harmed. You know, Joseph, by listening to his father, was hurt. Then he went to look, but he was not harmed. So when a child listens to his parents, he may be hurt. His parents may not be understanding, but he will not be harmed. Understand principles of truth. You know, wife submits to a husband and comes under the order. She may be hurt. But she won't be harmed eternally. When a man comes under the headship of Jesus Christ, he has to give up all his self-will and desires and aspirations. He will be hurt. Hurt by so many people and by himself. But God says he will not be harmed. Harmed. Okay. This is how you balance everything. God's order, God's power, and God's truth. And God says you are free. You are free. You don't have to worry. Even in your isolation chamber in a Chinese concentration camp, I'll speak to you. I'll speak to you. No, I still remember one of those daily readings. Remember, I mentioned it earlier also. Remember that in Egypt or something where that guy was put into that box? And he heard. And he heard. And he came through. What will bring you through? 
The word in your heart, the voice in your ears will bring you through. And the day and hour will come if he doesn't take us before that. All you will have is the word in your heart and the voice in your ears. And God says, I'll bring you through. That's a good title, no? The word in your heart and the voice in your ears. Okay. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. All we can do is stand there alone as families, as a church. All we pray is, like in the book of Acts, you added to them those who were being saved. You added people. Let it be so with us too. Yet the Apostle John says they were not of us. That is why they went away from us. So you will take away also people who are not meant to be with us. All each one is called is to be with God. Rooted in the word of God. Open ears to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. said, if you abide in my truth, truth will set you free. Then you also said, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. Help us not only to love truth as an idea, help us to love God, who is the personification of truth with all our heart. And then to love what he tells us, to do it with all our strength. And we are safe. Safe in your hands. Then no one can pluck us from your hands, O oh Lord. So commit the hearing church into their hands. And I pray you would bless them. You would comfort them. And you would strengthen us, Lord. Let there be healing in the body of Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We surrender the rest of the day into their hands. Go with us. Go before us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.